to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Last time I started to bring this series on God's coming kingdom to a close by looking at the tricky subject of God's rewards to faithful Christians. Although all Christians are saved purely and simply by Christ's death on our behalf, the New Testament still teaches that some Christians will suffer loss on the day of judgment and others will receive rewards. But good works and divine rewards are not the place to end our series about God's promised future. One biblical theme stands above Christian faithfulness, above all our faith, hope and love. See, undergirding everything in the Christian life is God's prior grace, his free gift of mercy. For all its talk of the judgment to come, the book of Revelation, from which we've drawn so much over these weeks, has some beautiful ways of reassuring us that God's capacity for grace far exceeds our capacity for faithfulness, which is just as well, I reckon. At the centre of Revelation's final judgment scene is a reminder that salvation is secured not by deeds, by God's grace. In full apocalyptic style, Revelation 20 verse 12 declares this, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Critical to the right interpretation of this vision is the observation that verse 12 introduces two different types of books. There is the unnamed set of books said to record the works of every man and woman. We could call these the record books, and of course, we all appear in them. But then there's this separate single volume called the Book of Life. Notice that no one escapes the lake of fire on the basis of what's detailed in the record books. We don't read and those whose good deeds outweighed the bad were spared from the lake of fire. No, instead we read of God's judgment according to deeds, verse 13, each person was judged according to what he has done. Now for those outside of Christ, this will mean condemnation in proportion to their deeds. For those in Christ, this will mean giving an account of the life we've lived. But notice, these record books have nothing whatsoever to do with who escapes hell and how they do so. Verse 15 is quite clear in saying that if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Salvation is all about having your name written in the book of life. This book of life is not a record book like the other books. It's not even said to contain the details of human activity at all. It simply contains names. And if we ask, what's the criterion for getting my name listed in the book of life? Revelation has a clear answer. 
It's entirely to do with Jesus' sacrificial death on my behalf. The next reference to this mysterious book of life makes that plain. In Revelation 21 verse 27, we read about who does and doesn't get into God's kingdom. Here it is. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those who perform good deeds? No, the text says, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In the symbolism of the New Testament, and especially in Revelation, the Lamb is always a reference to Jesus as the one who is sacrificed for our sins, just like the Lambs of the Old Testament. In fact, Revelation chapter 5 has already established this connection. Verse 8 says, The four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. By calling the book of life the Lamb's book of life, the book of Revelation makes clear that the criterion for eternal life, for escaping the lake of fire, is not my deeds, but Jesus' death on my behalf. Jesus died to take my punishment so that despite the failures written in the record books, the name John Dixon could still appear in the Lamb's book of life. Grace, in other words, triumphs over our failures. I think I've told you before about the young lad I met years ago near Port Macquarie. I'd just given a talk to a school assembly when this Year 9 student introduced himself to me as Nick and asked if we could talk about God. It turns out he'd been trying for months to work out whether or not he was acceptable to God. Without any church contacts, he resorted to a kind of personal moral scorecard. He showed me an exercise book in which he'd drawn what looked like simple accounting columns. Now across the top of each page, he'd written the days of the week, and down the left-hand column, he had listed the virtues he thought the Almighty might be pleased with, patience, kindness, and so on. And then for each day of the week, he'd given himself a score out of 10 for each virtue. He had pages and pages of records. He asked me what I thought. Frankly, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. Instead, I talked with him about the same things we've just talked about. That record books would find us all guilty. His own scoring proved that point. And that God offers his mercy freely because of Jesus' death and resurrection. As we were chatting, his face lit up and his eyes welled up with tears. He walked over to the bin and with obvious delight, he threw his record book away as he realised that grace triumphs over our failures. As the book of Revelation draws to a close, this theme of the triumph of grace is repeated at least twice more. In Revelation 22 verse 17, we're invited to drink of the grace of God. We read, The Spirit and the Bride, that is the church, say, Come. 
And let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. There's nothing complex in this. Nothing subtle in the Greek. No historical background required to get the point. If you want the life God has promised, it's yours freely by grace. And just in case we missed the point, the same pledge of grace, of free favour from God, appears in the closing line of Revelation, which makes this the closing line of the entire Bible. The book of Revelation ends, the Bible ends, not with a statement of faith or love or hope, but with a postscript, a parting blessing from the author to his readers. Revelation twenty-two twenty-one: The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. After everything Revelation has told us about the return of Christ, the overthrow of evil, the resurrection of the dead and the renewal of creation, the book ends not with an exhortation to hope or faith or love, but with an assurance of God's grace in Jesus Christ. The theme above all themes. Throughout this Things to Come series, I've tried to help us all, including myself, to lift our gaze above this blip in human history we call home, and to look forward to the future God has promised in his word. I've tried to urge us to be a people of increasing hope, as well as of faith and love. But the thing I want even more than this is for us to revel in the knowledge that the grace of the Lord Jesus is with God's people. This theme stands above all others. The free gift of mercy through Jesus Christ surpasses our capacity for faithfulness, covers the multitude of our failings, and guarantees us everything God has promised. And that's why the Bible's final word is grace. That's why my final word is grace. Hope 1032. Thanks for listening.